Are you familiar with the terms mental wellness, triggers, trauma, and boundaries? What do they mean, and how can you best care for members in your community? Welcome to Crafting Communities, a podcast that supports you in your journey to create a better experience for the people that you care about. I'm your host and pal, Grace. On today's episode, I have with me Megan from Limitless. We'll be tackling the very crucial topic of mental health and discuss how community leaders can care for the mental well-being of everyone in their community. Hi, Megan. Hi, Grace. (laughs) Welcome to Crafting (laughs) Communities. Very happy to be here today. Hey. So for today, we're going to be talking about mental health for community leaders. But before we begin, could you introduce yourself and share with our listeners a bit more about you? Yes, sure. So my name is Megan. And I'm from a non-profit organization called Limitless. And we work with youth in the area of mental health. So our clients are typically aged 12 to 25. Yeah, and I'm a counselor slash caseworker. And I'm also the leader of the outreach team. Cool. That's a lot of things. Yes, because our organization is still growing. We kind of take on some hybrid roles. Mm. So we typically provide pro bono and highly subsidized services for youths that come from families that cannot afford it, or also youths that are not really supported by their families to seek professional help in this area. Yeah, there's been a lot of conversation about the importance of mental health, but what is mental health? It's not just the thinking or, or the feelings. That's not all that mental health is, yeah. There's also the emotional aspect of it, but there's also the physical aspect and how it affects our functioning in our daily lives, even the roles that we play our social well-being, whether it's at work, whether it's in our communities, which I know is something that you guys are big about when it mm. comes to communities. Yeah, and is the term mental health even the right term? Like, because you know, you hear terms like mental wellness, mental illness, mental disorders. Like, is mental health like the broad umbrella? Or what is mental health? I would say so. Like, it's the overarching theme, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And then you have mental wellness and mental illness under that. So we kind of see it as a spectrum. On one end, you have mental wellness and then on the other end you also have mental health disorders and the interesting thing I guess is that everyone falls along that spectrum Mm. yeah so it's a very inclusive spectrum and the motion of it is that you can always go back and forth you know mental health disorders are not prejudice Mm. right anyone can be susceptible to it and anyone can also find recovery once you've been in that space Mm. like you are not your mental health disorder an illness, right? You die, you fall sick, you have a cough, you can recover from it and then no longer yes. have a cough. Yeah, and I guess if you want to view it in the same way as physical health, you invest into your physical health, right? You exercise, you eat right, you sleep well. It's the same thing where we also want to make sure that our mental wellness is intact and we don't want to get complacent with it into a point where we forget that, you know, we can also lean into the spectrum towards the disorder side. Mm. So the middle of that would be at risk. Okay. Yeah, the at risk portion. What are ways that you can improve your mental health? I think it really is about building that self-awareness and also, so that's the internal part, right? Where you are in touch with how you are doing and checking in with yourself, making sure there's balance in life, checking in on your functionality. I think that's one key indicator of how well you're doing. Validating your emotions, of course, and acknowledging how you feel rather than not making that time and space for yourself. But there's also the aspect of community, Mm. right? And having a strong social support system that is there for you. So I think there's so many factors that can affect your mental health, whether it's your self-concept, whether it's your expectations of self, whether it's just, you know, other external factors like your jobs Mm. or, you know, maybe the irritating person in the office that you don't like and what you see every day. 
No, there's there's all these different things that you yeah that you go through. And what's the relationship like between? Um, earlier you mentioned about physical health and social health and mental health. Like, how do they all shape one another? If you just to imagine physical health, if you don't sleep well, you're not going to be very alert in the mm. day. You may even become moody, and then you can't function well throughout the day, which affects the way you feel about yourself which affects your perspective of the day itself. And if that continues, I think it really takes a toll on the individual. A lot of people who have mental health disorders tend to have issues with sleep mm. and appetite. So if you look at the list of like symptoms that may indicate that you're in distress or that you may have a mental health condition, a lot of it actually intersect with physical symptoms. Okay. Yeah. I suppose if you're having a physical ailment or something, that would also affect your mental health. Like if you have, I don't know, you're diagnosed with cancer or something, that would definitely result in like, different right. stresses and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and I, I'm guessing that's why a lot of hospitals also see the importance in having like a medical social worker or having therapists on the team to attend to people who may be going through terminal illness or even if you think about athletes who have gone through severe injuries, mm. things that are meaningful to them, they, they can no longer do as much and then that takes away from the fulfillment, satisfaction of life which also plays on the mental health aspect. Yeah. yeah. Earlier you talked about this idea of mental wellness, at risk and illness, how would you describe the different states? Like what distinguishes being in a place of mental wellness versus in a state of at risk versus in illness? There's many ways to split up the spectrum, I guess, but I think this is the easiest way to understand it. Wellness is kind of when you're thriving in life and you feel like you're doing well, you're finding fulfillment in the things that you're doing, you're satisfied with the different areas of your life, your personal relationships, your work, career, even your own hopes and dreams. And yeah, you're kind of in a good place. And then for at risk could be you're going through a stressful period, there is some stress injury, but you're still handling it to some extent. You may be experiencing mood swings or loss of appetite, but it's not prolonged. Mm. But when it comes to a disorder, we're talking about it being clinically diagnosed. Yeah, so there are some criteria that has to be met. How does one distinguish between, okay, I'm going through like healthy stress versus this is too stressful? Yeah, because I mean, if you go through life, you can't just avoid all the stresses, yeah. right? They're definitely going to find something. So for healthy stress, we call it eustress. So, you know, when you're a kid and then you grow up, you kind of learn different things like how to walk, how to talk, mm. how to take the bus by yourself to go to school, how to hang out with your friends in a public space how to go for interviews, right? how to do things by yourself, basically. But these are also new and scary experiences, Correct. right? Yes. So I do see clients sometimes that were not able to go through certain developmental phases because of maybe their circumstances. And they actually find it a lot more stressful to adapt at a later age. Mm. Yeah. But the normal adaptations that you go through when you face different challenges during your developmental period can be considered you stress. Okay. Right? Like transitions into university, for example. It can be scary and stressful to some extent, but it's very much necessary. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of growth can come from that. Okay. Whereas for distress, it really takes a toll. Like I mentioned just now, one thing you look at is the functioning and also for prolonged periods of time. So if it is becoming too much for the threshold of that person, then it's probably a distress. Okay. Yeah. And it's this threshold of a person is subjective right it is very subjective and it also depends sometimes based on personalities okay right you have people who are naturally more anxious you have people who for some reason are always very calm and collected and i'm so jealous <laughs> of those people yeah but it really depends on how you build that tolerance as well mm. and it's something that can be 
molded. Okay. Yeah, it's something that can grow, can increase. Okay. But so if I understand you correctly, there are some personalities that are more prone to anxiety, depression also, or just... I, I would say, yeah, maybe like genetically also, sometimes you have people who are more prone to certain mental health disorders, mm. especially if it runs in the family. Okay. Yeah. But then there are also strategies that you can employ to yeah. develop resilience or improve your stress tolerance. That's right. Okay. So if you think about people who have gone through multiple traumas in life, they may be more sensitive towards certain triggers and other people who have not gone through those traumas will not respond in the same way. Mm. But that window of tolerance can be increased over time, whether it's through support, whether it's through talk therapy or other forms of therapy and interventions. Okay. You mentioned an interesting word, triggers, right? What is a trigger? <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I know it's a very commonly used word online. Every time I scroll on Instagram, I see everything trigger, 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 right? Uh-huh. Trigger warnings. How I'm using the word is based on it triggering off a person's trauma response. Okay. So maybe revisiting a place where the trauma event happened and then they get flashbacks and then they go home, they get nightmares. Seeing people who look like their perpetrator, for example. That's what I mean by triggers. Okay. Yeah. And another technical term, what is trauma? (laughs) So how we define trauma is an event that is experienced by an individual. So it can be one event or it can be multiple events. Yeah, and it's about how that person is trying to adapt to the event that has happened to them. Okay. Yeah, so I always emphasize that it's about the experience of the individual. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, everyone has various traumas over the course of their life, right? And Correct, yeah. Yeah, and coming back to like the importance of mental health, right? What's the relationship between these traumas and a person's mental health? I think it definitely takes a toll on someone's mental health. There's so many different types of trauma. And when I say it's about the experience of the individual, just imagine like a kid that lost their toy, right? They may not understand that, oh, you can just buy another toy. I can replace it or in five years' time, this probably won't even matter anymore. Mm. But for us, we have that cognition to be able to process what is happening as adults. So it really depends on the person going through. Like there are different factors that increase the severity of the trauma. Okay. Can you recover from triggers? Yeah. So I believe that you can, even though that that is actually quite a, a clinical question. It really depends on, you know, especially when it comes to therapy, the, the different types of modalities that are being used and how one can possibly desensitize or reprocess those triggers and have a healthier association and be able to move on from those traumas. Mm. So if I were to give you an example, imagine a person that has gotten into a car accident with a white vehicle. Okay. They managed to recover. They were not severely injured, but it was a very shocking and life-threatening experience for them. Then in the future, whenever they see white vehicles, even though they may not be crossing the road, they start to get heart palpitations. Mm. They start to have cold sweat, right? Feeling a lot of nervousness, feeling faint. That is a response to the trauma that has happened, even though they're actually safe now. Okay. If triggers are so personal to an individual, Mm. right? I mean, depending on each individual's history and different life experiences, how do you not accidentally trigger a friend? Mm. That's a good question. Do you want the bad news or the good news? <laughs> <Both>. <laughs> the bad news is that it's going to be hard to be certain about never ever triggering someone. Mm. The good news is that we can learn and it's some responsibility of the individual to find healing and recovery for themselves. We cannot be responsible to help someone recover from their trauma. Mm. Right? That has to be work on their part. For us, it's on our part to know that we cannot assume 
what someone's trigger is and what kind of help they need. Mm. So I feel the best way to go about it is to have that open communication with them to ask them if they are comfortable with sharing what are some things that may trigger them off and also to be able to communicate with them if you've accidentally triggered them mm. and to make the intentions clear and also take it as a learning experience. How do you spot when someone is going through something? I think there are signs of distress that are a bit clearer that we can see. Um, one is, of course, energy levels. If the person, for example, is usually a very hyped person, very extroverted, quite loud, and then they suddenly change, and then they become very withdrawn or reserved. One, one thing that we look at a lot is changes. Mm. What is a person usually like and what are they like now? If you're seeing changes in their appetite, changes in their sleep patterns, if they seem to be very glazed over, a bit more incoherent, you know, if they start to not be as sociable as before, being in isolation, no longer having interest in activities that they used to enjoy doing. Mm. Yeah, those are some telltale signs. So it's really about awareness and I mean, knowing your friends, right? And knowing the yes. people around you so that you can notice the changes and then be able then to reach out to support them. Yeah. Mm. I mean, coming back to the whole idea of the importance of community and mental health, right? What is the relationship between community and mental health? Earlier, I mentioned about how having a strong social support can make a huge difference for someone's mental health, especially if they're on one end of the spectrum and going through something really difficult. You know, just now when you're talking about how do you spot signs of distress in an individual? Mm. Sometimes I feel like it's not necessary to wait to spot signs of distress in someone, but it's good to just check in anyway. Mm. So I think that accountability... That being proactive, right? Yeah, being proactive about it. I mean, you yourself, you're a leader in more ways than one. Mm. So I'm, I'm sure that you have that relationship as well with the people around you. Yeah. Actually, on that note, something that I do that is helpful is creating that space for intentional check-ins. Mm. Yeah, because not all the time are people or your team or your community willing to like come forward to share something because, you know, oh, it's not the right opportunity or the right time. So I think creating that space to have check-ins, like monthly check-ins, weekly check-ins, one-on-one check-ins or as a team for people to be able to voice out their concerns and, and to know that this is the space where the two of you to be able to talk about what you're going through. I think you answered your own question perfectly. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just having that support and knowing that people care, mm. that you have an outlet, that you're not going through things alone. Mm. Yeah, it can make like, you know, a world of difference. Yeah. Earlier you mentioned about having a social support network, right? What does a healthy social support network look like? Because I guess, you know, some people have one or two like close friends, whereas mm. some people have a lot of acquaintances. I mean, is there a ideal in regards to, you know, having good mental health? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be too critical because I know some people prefer having fewer friends and it's not really about quantity. I think it's really about the quality of the relationships that you have. And I do encourage people to not just rely on one or two points of contact. But that is only because in a relationship, it has to be give and take. Mm. Yeah, so I think if you just rely on one person, it can also take a toll on the other individual. And we want to be able to support one another in our time of need. Yeah, it's not just about you. It's not just about the other person. Mm. I guess it's, on that note, it's also healthy to have a variety of close friends, right? That you can turn to for support. If you only have one outlet to express yourself to or to share all your burdens with, then that may be a lot on the other person that yeah. is providing you can support. And I mean, if you only have like one person that you can go to, what if that person's also going through something and doesn't have the capacity 
to support yeah. you too, right? Yeah. So I, I think you brought up a, a good point, which is the boundaries. Yeah, being able to draw boundaries early on in the friendship should be something that is respected. Mm. Yeah, and I think if you have someone constantly pushing your boundaries, it's also going to get very draining. Okay. So I, I do encourage individuals to weigh out their relationships and see if they have enough nourishing friendships. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so two technical terms. <laughs> what is what are boundaries, right? Yeah. Because I'm assuming also boundaries mm. are very subjective. Yeah. And then what is a nourishing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I think boundaries, you can break it into like different categories, like physical boundaries. Mm. So obviously not touching someone if they're not comfortable with touch. Those kind of things are a bit more obvious. There's also like emotional boundaries, not imposing your feelings on somebody else. And of course, intellectual boundaries. If someone has different views, you don't make them feel judged for the way they think or their decisions. So there's many different ways that we can exercise boundaries. Okay. Do you have an example of what kind of boundaries would you set with a friend or a community member or a leader or like someone that you are either seeking support from or providing support to? I actually always find that personal boundaries, like personal relationships are the hardest to draw mm. boundaries on just because there's not as much of a clear-cut line as when I'm working with a client. I can tell a client that, oh, my, my off hours are after 7 or 8pm or I can get back to you the next morning. Mm. But with friends, how do you do that, right? Yeah, so I think honesty is the key and I'll let them know that as much as I want to be there for you right now, I feel I don't have the capacity or the bandwidth. Mm. And because I know that you deserve someone who can listen to you, I don't think I'm the right person. But when the time comes and when I'm ready to be there, I will let you know. Mm. What about acquaintances or the value of weak ties? What's the role of like having a wider social network in terms of helping you to improve your mental wellness? I think that's why public awareness and education is so important because people will understand the importance of mental health and how this can be a non-taboo subject mm. and it'll be normalized for you to go up to someone and say, hey, you know, I'm actually not doing so well. I myself may not have a support circle, but I'm wondering if maybe you can point me in the direction of professional help or, you know, what would you do in this circumstance, right? Just having someone to listen to you, even if you are not close to the person. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The thought that came to my mind is that sometimes people are more comfortable sharing personal things with strangers or like yes. someone new that they meet right because you know if you maybe already been telling the same situation over and over to your close mm. friends like sometimes just to share it with someone new brings out a different dynamic and yeah. also the value of having new friends or new acquaintances in your life is that they also bring new perspectives into your yeah. situation that you may not have considered before so that also helps with boosting well-being definitely I guess that's why also clients come in saying they've not spoken to anyone else about their circumstances. Maybe because they think people around them have expectations of them mm. or a certain image of them and they don't want the relationship to change. So yeah, I think there's value in both close relationships and also, like you mentioned, more distant relationships. Mm. Yeah. Coming back to the topic of community and leadership, how as a leader can you better care for the mental health of others in your community? You know, I really liked your answer about creating a safe space for people to check in and be intentional about it. I think it's the same way when it comes to checking in on your community members. We want to care for our community members first before pushing them to do more work or to do more of their duties. Or Actually, I have a story about this, which is a bit embarrassing for me. But I had an intern once who was working very hard beyond their office hours and I asked, them 
uh, why are you working so hard, right? You just have this and this to do. You don't have to do everything by today. And their response was that, but all of you are working so hard. So I feel like I need to match up to that. Ooh. Yeah. And I felt ashamed. <laughs> yeah. And I felt it's really about setting the example as well. Mm. Like we talk about caring for others, but we also need to care about ourselves as leaders, making sure that we have that balance however that may look like for each individual. Yeah. Because yeah. members are watching leaders. Yeah. I love your story because it reminds me of a colleague. I remember this one time I sent her a message and it was after 7pm. And she replied like, Hey Grace, thanks for asking this question. It's after office hours. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like a short message. But I was like, yeah, I mean, this is really isn't very urgent. <laughs> I'm just sending a message because I am working on my own flexible hours and I didn't really expect a response from her. But... Mm. I appreciated the way that she communicated her own boundaries. And that also helped me to... Because I guess no one had really role modeled that for me too. And so Mm -hmm. when I saw the message, I was like, yeah, actually I can tell this to other people as well. And it was just a simple sentence. But it also got me thinking about how when I message people outside of office, I was to also explain that, you know, you don't have to get back to me right now. You know, this is a mega urgent. We can talk about it tomorrow. We can talk about it next week. Yeah, I think that's a a very good way to draw boundaries, right? We're talking about boundaries. Mm. So I think that maybe as leaders, sometimes we can also help to form those boundaries for our members, Mm. uh, especially when they may think there are certain expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Like clarifying or communicating those expectations. Yeah, 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 exactly. What about at Limitless? Are there any practices that your organization does to create better mental well-being for your team? We try to practice what we preach when it comes to mental health. So we do check in on our staff quite regularly. We do once to twice a month check-in. We also have weekly meetings where people can bring up things that they're struggling with at work or any clarifications that they may have because we don't want them to feel like they're handling things alone, right? Mm. We want them to feel supported. We also have mental health days. Okay, what's a mental health day? So if you feel as though you need to recharge or maybe something has happened which, you know, is not considered a medical issue or it doesn't fall under compassionate leave, for example, you can opt to take a mental health day for yourself Okay, to recharge. Yeah. It's like an MC. Yes. Okay. Somewhat for the mind. Mm. MC for the mind. But yeah. There's another thing that I like that we do is that we gather maybe twice a year to sit down with the whole team and talk about strengths and successes and also our pain points. And no one gets criticised for sharing their pain points. Yeah. Oftentimes when we're going through something... It's very scary to say it out loud, but when another person shares vulnerably about their experiences, that also helps to help you know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I mean, one of the quotes that I heard when I was much younger, which I really liked is, how deep your sharing is, the person responding will then match it. So I mean, I guess in this kind of situation, you know, when someone opens up to share about the struggle that they're facing with their clients or with work, then that will also give another person the courage to respond yep. and share another different struggle, but out of a similar like level of of vulnerability yeah Yeah, definitely thanks again could you leave us with one closing thought for our listeners today yeah I would say encourage people to reframe their understanding of mental health and to normalise having such conversations like the one we just had that's all the time we have for this episode but there's so much more to talk about on this topic next week we'll be continuing our conversation on the topic of burnout see you there